Thank you for that. Today we're beginning a brand new series called Healthy Relationships. And uh, for the next uh, four weeks, both on the Sunday morning service and also during in our small groups, uh, we're going to be talking about how to have healthy relationships. Now, we could have called this series Good Relationships, uh, but this would not accurately describe what it is that we're striving for. What is it that we're looking for? Um, some of you would sit here today and say, well, Pastor Allen, um, you know, as far as we're concerned, we're doing good. Um, we're, we're, at least we're not fighting. Okay, uh, so based on that fact, based on the fact that you're not fighting, you would say, you know, you've got good relationships. Um, you might say, well, we're getting along or, you know, we're friendly to each other. We're civil. Um, we laugh at each other's jokes. We go out for dinner together. We go to see movies together. So, Pastor Allen, I would say that we have a good relationship. Now, here's from 30 years of pastoring, over 30 years of pastoring, here's what I've discovered. Usually, uh, when you're describing your relationship as just good, it usually means that one person is doing all the work in the relationship. Or it means that uh, one person is always giving in and going along, or that one person has chosen to stay silent in order to keep the peace. What we need to understand today is that We need to have healthy relationships because healthy relationships best reflect what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and what it means to surrender to him. Now, I've had people come to me for marriage counseling over the years, and, and, um, you know, uh, it's... When a couple gets to the place where they've got to come for counseling, it's usually the woman that phones me up and says, Pastor Allen, we need to come for counseling. Um, And, uh, you know, frankly, I don't know if there's any hope for us. And uh, I've asked my husband, but, you know, he's not too crazy about the idea. And, uh, but what do you think I should do, Pastor Allen? I said, well, I I can't counsel one. You You really need to both come in. So when they finally get there, she's usually upset and and uh, and he's totally oblivious. He has no clue what's going on. He thinks everything's good, right? Because they're not fighting. Uh, she still makes him supper, and he's taking out the garbage, and he's putting gas in the car, and they're just sort of coexisting, and and they're not fighting, and everything seems to be good. The problem with this is that when a man and woman get married, it's for a loving relationship. It's not so that they can be roommates for the rest of their lives. Do you see what I'm saying this morning? And by the time a couple's coming to me for counseling, quite often what's happening is that she now is beginning to shut down. She's beginning to say, look, at, we don't, I don't know what we've got, but I can tell you it's really not a marriage. I have no idea what this is. We're more like roommates. And she feels dead inside, and he's completely puzzled. He has no idea, cannot understand what's going on. He'll say, I don't understand. We were getting along so well. I thought we had a really good relationship. But in reality, it was good as long as she kept her mouth shut and went along with him. Now, folks, you sit here and listen to this, and you think, oh, that's hilarious, and who would would be like that? And the fact is, is that so many, and I would even hazard a guess that maybe even majority of marriages and relationships are like that. So for the next four weeks, what we want to do is we want to talk about how we can strengthen our relationships. Because here's what I know. I know that, that nobody here wants to have bad relationships with anybody. 
Here's what I know. I know everybody here would like to have a strong, healthy relationship with their spouse, with their children, with their boss, with the people they work with. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how to have good, strong, healthy relationships with all the people in our lives. And maybe you're one of those people here today who'd say, Pastor Allen, I thank God I'm not like who's got a bad relationship. I've got a good relationship. How many know that a good relationship is the enemy of the best relationship. For too many of us, we settle. We settle for second best. And God's calling us to the best, to have the best. He's calling us to excellence. And so this morning, uh, we're going to begin this series talking about how we can have the best, and by best, I mean a healthy, healthy relationship. So what we're doing is we're talking about boundaries and respecting each other's boundaries. Now, for some of you, this is not a new term or a new idea. You've discussed this with your spouse. Maybe you've read the book called Boundaries. It's an excellent book. If you haven't got it, I highly recommend that you get it. That will dramatically improve your marriage and the relationship with your kids and your friends. But what does the Bible say about boundaries? Well, Here's what you and I need to understand. Boundary problems have been around for thousands of years. Where's the boundaries? And, and, and who sets the boundaries? And what is mine? And what is yours? And how do I know when I've crossed the boundaries? Just about 10 years ago, we moved into a new development into our area. And uh, i got to tell you, all these people building their homes, they're all friendly, they're all nice, they're all happy, they wave at you, hi, hello, neighbor. Uh, We've never met each other before, but we smile and we wave at each other like we're old friends, like we're family. Until it's time to put up fences. And then you start to see another side of people. Now, some of you have been through this, and you're nodding and smiling. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Those people who were nodding and smiling and, come on over for a drink. Come on over and have some. We're having a barbecue. Those same people, you should hear them curse. You should hear them threaten lawsuits. And that's exactly what happened in our area. And you've heard me tell some of the stories of some of the people uh, angry, yelling, cursing, uh, threatening lawsuits. One neighbor complained about how his, how his neighbor put up a sunroom and, and told me how they threatened lawsuits, and, and now you know, there's this ongoing feud. Can you imagine living like that every day, knowing that that person who lives beside you is your enemy? They hate your guts, and you hate their guts, and they're talking to their neighbors about you, and you're talking to, to your neighbors about them, and, and on and on it goes. I'm going to tell you something. For some of us, we shake our heads and we think, oh, that's a terrible way to live. And who could stand to live that way? And that's a wrong way to live. But the fact of the matter is, is that for too many of us, we have that same scenario right in our own homes. With our kids, we have it with our spouse, we even have it with the people we work with. Here's what uh, Gloria and I discovered when we were in Greece. Uh, we, uh, when we were missionaries there, we had a, an old car uh, that the PAOC bought for us. It was a 1974 Audi, uh, in not great working condition, but good enough to get us around. 19, Bob's giving me the thumbs up. A mechanic understands a 1974 Audi. The problem with that Audi, Bob, is that when you went uphill, um, it didn't always want to go uphill. And uh, one time going uphill, uh, the stick shift came right off 
right, 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 right out of wherever it's connected to, and here I am going uphill with a massive highway behind me, and I'm starting to roll back. Uh, that's the kind of car I had. So anyways, I just want to say that so you know I'm not trying to, be, uh, I'm not trying to brag about having uh, an Audi. Um, my neighbor... My neighbor was so excited about us having an Audi, he said to us, look, we've got to go and see our property. So I'm thinking, wow, we're going to go into the Greek countryside, we're going to see this villa, right? Beautiful Greek property. When we got there, it was just land with a fence around it. And I said to him, I said, what is this? He goes, well, this is our land. How do you like it? Oh, it's, it, it, it's land, <laughs> with a fence around it. So I, I said, well, tell me about this, because you know, that's always the best thing to do. When you don't know what to say, just ask questions. So that's what I did. Um, so I said, well, what's this all about? He goes, well, here's the law in Greece. If you don't put a fence up around your property and someone comes and settles on it, it becomes their land. It's called squatter's rights. And I think we have the same thing here in Canada. I have to ask Dennis Weeb about that. Squatter's rights. So what they did is they put the fence around their property. And I'm going to tell you, they were so proud to show us their land. It was their property. He didn't inherited it. And nobody was going to take it from him. And every chance they got, they would go to visit their property as though it were a long-lost relative or a good friend. So there we are, standing around, awkwardly looking at each other, trying to figure out, okay, now what do we do? We've seen the, we've seen the property, now what? Well, for them, it was, just, it was just wonderful to be able to be near their land and to allow us to see it. Now, most of us understand that boundaries are to be respected, Not everybody understands that, as you're going to see in just a moment, but most of us get this. In fact, it's an ancient idea, and we hear about it in the book of Deuteronomy. Look at the scripture verse, Deuteronomy 27, 17. And here's what it says. Cursed is anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. And all the people will reply, amen. Amen. Now, if someone came over to your place... Uh, Boyette and decided to move the property line a little bit, how would you feel? Well, if it was encroaching into their land, two thumbs up. But if it's encroaching into your land, we're calling the cops, right? That's how this works. We all know that. We're going to call the cops, and we're going to get this sorted out real quick. We're going to call the sayers. They're going to come. They're going to get their, their, uh, their, put their machinery on and, and listen for where those markers are. And nobody's going to move those boundary lines, right? Because we understand that it's rude to cross a boundary line of a neighbor without asking permission. We call it trespassing. In fact, some people, in case you have not learned the rudimentary lessons of good citizenship as a child, they will put up a little sign just so that you don't forget. And on that little sign, it will say, no trespassing. Just in case you're too stupid to understand, you shouldn't trespass, you shouldn't go into somebody else's land. On Friday, uh, this past Friday, I was sitting in a, in a little cafe. It was a nice little French, it was called a French restaurant, but uh, it was American. Uh, sat in that f- so-called French restaurant, beautiful classical music playing. I let Gloria go shopping, and I sat with my book, and I got to read, which I, uh, which I, I covet those times. I'm sitting there reading my book. I'm getting through it chapter by chapter. I'm, uh, I'm sipping delicious coffee, having a bit of French pastry. Oh, just a dream come true. And then all of a sudden, two young people 
Camus sat down at the table beside me. Now, just get the picture. I'm sitting by the fireplace, a crackling fire. I've got my feet up, reading classical music, sipping coffee. And all of a sudden, these two young people sit down. She pulls out her phone, and she says to him, and they're talking loud, uh, you got to hear this song. So I thought, oh. So I thought, well, maybe it's just a song. It'll pass, right? She puts on the music. And doesn't just put on the music. She puts it on full blast. So I'm thinking to myself, what would Jesus do? <laughs> so I just kept on reading and reading and reading. And then I thought to myself, I remembered the sermon I'm going to preach today. Oh, yeah, there's boundaries. Cursed is anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary. They have crossed a boundary. So I'm, I'm reading, and finally I, I, I thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to maybe look over there, and maybe they'll get the hint, right? So I'm, uh, every now and again, I'm looking up. I'm not getting the hint. Finally put my book down, put my elbow on my table, and then I just looked over at them. Music is blaring. It's, I mean, this blaring electronica contrasted with my classical music. Finally, she looks up. I didn't have to say a word. She looks up at me. I look at her. I smile, and I nod. And you know what she did? She took her little phone, and she turned the music right down, almost off. Now, how did she know what I was thinking? How did she know that she was trespassing on my space? Well, she knows that. Everybody knows that. All of us understand when we're doing something that is affecting somebody else in a negative way. We all know that. We all understand it. It's, it's a fundamental truth or fundamental principle of life. We understand that. But the fact of the matter is, is that too often we do trespass on one another. And people trespass against us. When we lived on Algon Avenue, there was no fence up. And we used, our, between our house and our neighbor's house, it used to be the neighborhood through a fair. And every morning on the way to school, which was right across the street from our house, we literally had, I don't know, 50 or 60 kids walk between our houses. And some of those kids, not, not appreciating the fact that they uh, have been given the privilege of going onto my land so that they can get to school easily, would walk through and would kick the windows, either on my house or the neighbor's house. They would spit on the house to see spit freeze in the wintertime. Everybody knows how much fun that is. Uh, we woke up one morning and there was kids on, on the roof of, the, uh, of our veranda, just outside our, 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 our window, our bedroom window. So I said, what's that noise, noise, Gloria? I get up, open the blind, there's a kid staring right at me. <laughs> so I said, what are you doing? We're just having some fun. No, we're scandalized. What's the, what's the first thing I do, folks? I go and get some fencing material, and I protect my property. Because we all understand that it's wrong to trespass. It's wrong to step onto other people's property unless we've been invited. 
Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart now. Because here's what, here's what happens with all of us. Is that we trespass into each other's space. We, we expect things that we have no right to expect of one another. We treat people in a way that we have no right to treat them. And you're going to see more of that in just a moment. My question for you this morning is this. Is how do you treat the people in your life? How do you treat your wife, your husband, your children? How do you treat the people you work with? Do you respect them or do you disrespect them? For some of us, we are so used to disrespecting the people in our lives that we really don't even know how to answer that question. Well, I'm going to help you understand it in just a few moments. One of the things I I have seen over the years is that we are more apt to treat total strangers with more respect than we treat our loved ones with respect. Isn't that true? To a total stranger, we'll say please and we'll say thank you, we'll say excuse me. But to our own family members, we take them for granted, we, we disrespect them, we don't treat them the way we ought to. We see it all the time. Someone asked Gloria and I, uh, what's the secret of 27 years, almost 27 years of marriage is hard to believe. And the fact is, is that after 27 years of marriage, Gloria and I still do not treat each other with, with any disrespect. We do not cross each other's boundaries. We still use good manners. We still say please. We still say thank you. I do not make demands of glory, and glory does not make demands of me. This is what I mean when I talk, talk about crossing boundaries. When you start treating each other in your life with, with disrespect or with contempt, Jesus tells us how we're supposed to treat one another. He tells us how to treat our neighbor. Look at this passage of scripture, which all of us know. We've heard it many, many times, but I want us to look at it again. And it's found in Matthew chapter 22. And it's it's that collection of verses where Jesus has been asked the question, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, the law of Moses, in case you don't know, is basically the, the, uh, the first five books of the Bible, the Old Testament. And here's what Jesus replies. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, everybody sitting here today would say, two thumbs up. I agree with that. That's the right way to live. I don't disagree with that. I believe this with all my heart. I would die for this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm sold. But what many of us don't do is we don't we, we fail to see what follows this. And look at, the, look at the next verses here. In verse 39, it says, A second commandment is equally important. Now, I want you to notice that word equally. Because for so many of us, we think as long as my relationship with God is what it needs to be, that's good enough. But Jesus says, no. A second commandment is equally important. And it goes like this. And you all know this because you've all, you maybe have memorized it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, let's get something clear here. When we think of the word neighbor, we automatically think that Jesus is talking about our next door neighbor. You know, the people that, with, with whom we share a fence or maybe a, a person who lives in our community. Okay, so if you believe that, well, you're partly right, but you're not altogether right. Because that word neighbor in the Greek, very simply, uh, plesion 
means the one who is near you, the one who is next to you, the one who is beside you. So suddenly this changes everything. When we begin to understand, when Jesus is talking about how to treat our neighbor, what he's really saying is the person next to you. So Vicky, your neighbor is Bob. And Bob, your neighbor is Vicky. And who's the guy behind you? Your next door neighbor. But it's your relative, isn't it? But it's also your neighbor. The one near you is your neighbor. That includes your husband, your wife, your children, your boss, the people you work with, the people you're serving, the people you work for, the person you're serving if you work at McDonald's, or if you work, at the, if you work as a mechanic, the person whose car you're serving. These are your neighbors. These are the people next to you. And Jesus says, these are the ones you're supposed to love. Now, what is, how does this relate to boundaries? Well... Jesus goes on and tells a story because they're trying to figure out who's my neighbor. I don't get that. Jesus tells a story about the Good Samaritan. I think most of us here today know the story of the Good Samaritan. In case you don't know, let me just give it to you in just a few words. The Good Samaritan is called the Good Samaritan because as a Samaritan, he is despised and hated by the Jewish people. A Jewish man is beat up and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road, and two of his own countrymen pass him by a priest and a, and a religious leader. And a, they passed on the other side of the road because they thought maybe he was dead and they didn't want to become religiously unclean. But it was a Samaritan who came along and it took care. The hated Samaritan took care of the Jew. And Jesus said, now which one was the neighbor? To see that, here's, what, here's, here's what you need to understand. The person who is near you is the one you're called to love. And for the Samaritan, in his case, he was standing right beside this poor Jewish man that was beat up. That now is his neighbor. That's the one nearest to him. That's the one that Jesus is calling him to love. Now, some people consider themselves very spiritual. I mean, if we went back to that, to that uh, slide before this one, we would say, we would see those instructions. Uh, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And Pastor Allen, I give big amounts of money to the church and, and I go on retreats and I pray and I read my Bible every day and I spend an hour on my knees before God and I read all the books on, uh, that I can find on, on prayer and I listen to Joel Osteen and I listen to Creflo Dollar and I listen to Andy Stanley, and I listen to, I listen to all the Bible. Te- Pastor, there's nobody more spiritual than I am. Okay, go back to that next slide. But Jesus says this in verse 39. The second commandment is equally important. You see, you can't call yourself spiritual just because you're listening to all the TV preachers and because you say you've got a great walk with God. If Jesus were standing here right now, he would say this. Well, show it to me. Prove to me that you have a close walk with God. And you'd say, but Jesus, how would I possibly prove that I've got a close walk with God? And Jesus would say, well, it's the second commandment. How do you treat the people in your life? Wow. See, you can't say that you've got a close walk with God if you don't have a close walk with the people in your life. You can't hold a grudge and hate the people in your life and say at the same time you've got a great relationship with God. Jesus would say, eh, wrong. Wrong answer. Impossible. If you're going to be 
carrying out that first commandment to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you're going to have to do the second commandment as well. You're going to have to love your neighbor as yourself. But you say, how do we know if we're loving as God wants us to love? Well, Jesus says, I can answer that question for you. Here's how you love your neighbor. You love your neighbor as yourself. Now, can I just, before I go any further, maybe some of you have heard this before, but they say that good fences or good boundaries make good neighbors. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, for some of us, we haven't thought of it this way. But here's what Jesus is telling us to do. Jesus is telling us to treat the people around us the way we would like to be treated. For instance, uh, because I don't want my neighbor parking on my driveway, I don't park on his driveway. Because I don't want to hear my neighbor's music, he doesn't hear my music. I make sure of that. Every now and again, Jesse will, will crank up his electronica, uh, I'd say, you know, for two or three minutes and then put it back down again because I don't want to hear the neighbor's electronica, if you know what I'm saying. I make sure that I'm not partying outside till two o'clock in the morning because I don't want my neighbors doing that. I don't want to be kept awake at night. You see what I'm talking about? I treat my neighbors the way I want my neighbors to treat me. I treat my wife the way I want my wife to treat me. Jesus called this the golden rule. We find that in Matthew chapter 7. And what is the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So look at this, folks, because here's what I know. Some of you would say, well, I will, I will be kind to my neighbors. I'll be kind to my wife. I'll be kind to my kids if they'll be kind to me. So what we have now is we've got an impasse, a standoff. He's waiting for her and she's waiting for him to be nice to be kind, to be thoughtful, to be loving. Jesus is saying, you need to take the first step. You need to do whatever you can to tear that wall down and begin to love the people around you the way that you would like to be loved. Now, I've stated things negatively. Let me state it positively for you a moment. Because I want my neighbors to keep an eye on my house, I keep an eye on my neighbor's house. My grandmother had a set of binoculars uh, on, the, on the windowsill in her kitchen. I said, Grandma, what are those for? She says, well, I've got to keep an eye on the neighbor's house. I, I, I wasn't so sure she was keeping an eye on the neighbor's house or keeping an eye on the neighbor in their house. I, I, I wasn't quite sure about that. I, I, and I... I I think maybe she was keeping an eye on the neighbor, but I, I, I could be wrong. I want, to, I, want to, I want to do good to my neighbor as I want my neighbor to do good for me. Every now and again, we get, a, we get wind howling down our street, and the wind catches the, the garbage can and starts blowing them down the street. Look at folks. I want my neighbor to get my garbage cans when they go down the street, so when his goes down the street, I go after it, and I help him out. That's what we do for each other. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But for so many of us, we've turned that little verse around, and it's now, I'm going to do unto others before they do unto me. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to put a wall up around myself. I'm not going to let anybody hurt me anymore. I'm not going to let anybody cross my boundaries, and God help anybody who tries. 
And this, so therefore, we've got a world that hates each other. A world where we don't trust each other. A world where we have to lock our doors so that nobody will come in. You know what? I'm old enough to remember a day when you didn't have to lock your doors at night. I don't know if anybody here can remember those days. You could leave your car open. You could leave the keys in the car. You could, I mean, unbelievable. And nobody would ever touch anything. Not anymore. We live in a world that is used to crossing boundaries, taking advantage of one another, taking what doesn't belong to them. We stopped buying bikes for our kids because every time we, we bought a bike, it would be stolen. We, we, had it, we would have it locked up in the garage. It was stolen. Locked up on the front porch so that someone slashed the screen of our house. They stole the bike. We, in our new house, we had a bike hanging up in the, in the garage. The garage door was open. I'd gone into the house for a minute. Some kid, in the, in, in the minutes that I went into the house with the garage door open, came along, saw a nice shiny bike hanging from a hook from the rafters, dropped his bike, got in there, took that bike down, and then rifled through my van and got a bottle of cologne that I had in there and some money, and, and it was gone like in minutes. I'm going to tell you, if you've never been robbed... You don't know that sense of violation, that sense somebody has come onto your property, somebody has come into your space, somebody has violated you. Now look, we all understand that it's wrong to violate somebody else's space. It's wrong to take something that belongs to somebody else. It's wrong to, to take somebody else's property and move the boundary marker. And Jesus, God says there's a curse on the person who does that. We know it's wrong. And yet, it's happening all the time. And for many of us, it's happening in our own house against our own wife, our own husband, and our own children. And Jesus is calling us to a brand new way of living. He's calling us into healthy relationships whereby we love the people around us even as we love ourselves. I want to enjoy my life, and I want to enjoy my yard, and I want to enjoy my community. So know what I do. When I see my neighbors, I wave at them. When I see my neighbors, I stop to chat with them. I smile. I offer to help out. I help them, I help whatever I need to do to, to improve our relationship. Why? Because it affects me, it helps me. Love your neighbors as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What we forget is that all of us have boundaries. I do. My wife does. My children have boundaries. Some of you say, well, Pastor Allen, hold on a minute here. Because you talk about your kids a lot in sermons. You use your kids as sermon illustrations. So just so you know that I practice what I preach, I do check with my kids ahead of time. I'd say, do you mind if I use your name or use you in a sermon illustration? They say, fine, Dad, no problem, but don't talk about A, B, C, and D. They set, what have they done? They've set a boundary. And I know that I must not cross that boundary. They don't mind me kidding around having fun with them, but I know where the boundary is. And I respect them too much to cross that boundary. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today. Because even as I'm speaking, some of you are understanding or recognizing that you have crossed boundaries in your marriage with your kids, with the people you work with. And God is calling us to live the life that Jesus calls us to live, where we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Let me give you uh, just a few illustrations of what I mean when I talk about uh, 
crossing each other's boundaries. Tonight, many of us will be starting in our small groups, and I'm going to be asking the question, what are some of the ways that we cross boundaries? So let me just quickly give you a few, and then we'll end today. Uh, Interrupting one another. Have you ever gone out for coffee with somebody, and they don't listen to a word you're saying? You just you sit there and they'll, they'll, they'll engage you and then you try to answer and then they talk right over you. They didn't hear a word you said. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If it's a person beside you, just go. <laughs> and I'll know. Interrupting. That's crossing the boundary. What about ordering other people around? Go get me something to eat. Go get my shoes. Go get my coat. Go, go upstairs and get this. Go get that. You know, Gloria drives me to work every Sunday morning, early in the morning. And drops me off. And I never, I never say to her, Gloria, go get me some food. Go get me a coffee. I never, I've never done that. But she'll say to me, Alan, can I get you? Can I get you a coffee? Can I get you something to eat? And I'll say, oh, honey, that would be great if you could. I never demand it. Never command it. Because that would be crossing a boundary. Gloria is not my slave. She's my wife. And if she wants to serve me, well, praise the Lord. And vice versa. She never commands or demands anything of me. But if I want to serve her, then praise the Lord. Folks, that is what a healthy relationship looks like. How about this one? You've crossed into my personal space. Did you know that we all have a personal space? For some of us, it's three feet, some four feet. Some, some don't, ha- don't have a problem with personal. I, we, there's a guy in our church years ago. He was a... He was an usher, and he had this, this way of coming into your space. And it, it'd be like, he'd be like literally like this, like just, just inches from your face. And I'd just keep backing up, just keep backing up until my back's against the wall. I can't go any further. And he just couldn't get the hint. Like, I'm backing up for a reason. <laughs> I don't normally walk backward, people. <laughs> but I had to. I had to get away from this guy because he didn't understand personal space. He's crossed the boundary line. How about this one? Forgetting to use manners like please and excuse me and thank you and you're welcome. This is one that really annoys me. When people send me emails, they don't say, Dear Alan or Hello Alan or, or Hey. They just say what they got to say and that's the end. They don't sign off. We'll see you later. God bless. Cheers. Praise the Lord. Talk to you later. Nothing. Just bleh. Let's cross some boundaries. You don't have the right to do that. You're sending me an email, sending me something, then you've got to understand that you're coming into my, into my territory, into my space. How about this one? Your kids make you late for church, they make you, make you late for events. You say we're leaving at, at 9 o'clock sharp, and they're not anywhere near being ready at 9 o'clock sharp. What's happened is they've crossed the boundary. They have now crossed your boundary because you said nine o'clock. Every time you disrespect somebody, you've crossed their boundary. How about this one? You say whatever you want. You don't care what effect it has on that person. You don't care if it makes them feel bad. Because you, you're known in these parts as somebody who speaks his mind. Kevin Sullivan put out a fantastic TV series called Anne of Green Gables. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. That's not the kind of show that most men will watch, but I'm going to tell you, if you haven't watched it yet, guys, you've got to go and buy a, per- a copy uh, from, from Costco. Or you can order it here for $29.99. <laughs> you've you got to get it. It's fantastic. 
because it's full of these gems of wisdom. Little Anne of Green Gables, in case you don't know the story, I'm going to be brief here. Anne has been called by a couple in Prince Edward Island. This couple is getting old, and they need a young boy to help with the chores. And somehow there's a mix-up. And rather than sending a young boy, they've sent Anne of Green, Anne, who becomes Anne of Green Gables. And Matthew Cuthbert picks her up at the train station. Dirty old ratty clothes. She's skinny, scrawny. She's homely. Red hair, freckles. But Matthew is, uh, is mesmerized and is smitten. He just loves this kid and wants to take her home and wants to help her. When she gets home, Marilla's not having it. She's got to go back to the orphanage. We can't have this little girl. She can't do any work. And besides, look at her. And then Rachel Lynn, the neighbor, gets wind that, that they've got an orphan. And so she marches over to, to, to Marilla and Matthew Cuthbert's place and sees this little girl and says, what on earth were you thinking? Look at this kid. She's homely. She's an orphan. She's a kind that will put strychnine in the wells. She's, she's ugly and homely, and she's got red hair, hair the color of carrots. Well, this Anne can't stand it anymore, and she screams at Rachel Lynn and says, how would you like it if I called you fat and ugly and a sour old gossip? And you say, yes. And you got her back. But Marilla says, Anne, you've got to go apologize to Rachel Lynn. And Anne says, how on earth could you ask me to apologize to that woman after what she said to me? She's crossed all kinds of boundaries. If anything, she should come and apologize to me. After all, she's older than me and she should know better and she calls herself a Christian. Rachel Lynn called Anne a heathen. Because she didn't know the Bible. That's interesting, isn't it? A lot of people out there who are really very religious and very spiritual, and they know everything. And yet they haven't got a clue. haven't got a clue what it means to love. And finally, Marilla prevails upon Anne and says, Anne, if you're going to stay in my home, then you're going to have to live like a Christian. And a Christian would go and apologize. And so we see Anne going to Rachel Lynn next door with great contrition, apologizes for her bad behavior, asks for forgiveness. And then Rachel Lynn, recognizing that she's been shown up by a child, she says, well, you, you shouldn't pay any mind to me. Don't pay any attention to me. I'm known in this part as a woman who speaks her mind, wearing it like a badge of honor. How many of us just open our mouth and our belly roars, say whatever we want without any regard for anybody's feelings? This morning, I want you to understand something. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're going to live this life that Jesus has called you to live, what you're going to have to do, folks, is you're going to have to begin to mind the boundaries of the people in your life. You're going to have to start respecting the people in your life. And when you meet together as a small group this week, my prayer is that you'll challenge each other so that your lives will be changed and you begin to love as Jesus has called us to love. How do you want to be treated? How do you want people to talk to you? What do you want people to do for you? What starts with you? Do it for them. And then you'll love the way Jesus has called you to love.
This, folks, is Christianity 101. Would you stop me, please? Father, thank you for giving us clear instructions in your word. You've taught us, God, how we are to treat one another. God, help us understand if we're going to be truly spiritual people, godly people who reflect Christ, if we're going to be the kind of people, Lord, that people will look to and see Jesus, then we're going to have to learn how to respect the people around us. We're going to have to learn to respect the boundaries of the people that we call our loved ones. Father, thank you today for your grace and your strength. Thank you for your power and and the ability that you give us by your spirit to live out this teaching, this command. Father, if we've been disrespectful to people in our lives, give us the grace, we pray, to start respecting and start treating people the way you would have us treat them. God, we thank you for your spirit who enables us and strengthens us. And we commit ourselves to you now, thanking you for your power and for your strength. In Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Now tell the person beside you, go love the people in your life.